everyone, and welcome to Season 3, Episode 9 of Unscripted Equity Curiosity, a Hedgeye podcast. My name is Ami Joseph. I'm the Sector Head for Technology here at Hedgeye. And with me today is Felix Wang, the Sector Head for China. Uh, here at Hedgeye, Andrew, Andrew Friedman is not with us today. Um, so it's just the two of us, which gives me an opportunity to pick on Felix and put him in the hot seat and get a bunch of questions answered about China and where we are with Chinese equity. So Felix, first question off the bat is, level set me with some geo, not political, geo macro, like economy, GDP, et cetera. I want to know. So first question is, China has been lowering interest rates, whereas the United States has been increasing interest rates. Is that is China still lowering? When was the last time they lowered? Have they reversed and started to retighten? What's the like next step in the interest rate cycle in China? Yeah, I mean, um, broadly speaking, it's still in a sort of a loosening credit situation in China. But the question is, if is if GDP comes in too hot, and by too hot, probably 6% or so plus, um, what will the government do? Or, or more important, what will the government not do, which is to unleash a torrent of stimulus that many folks were expecting them to continue, particularly given all the challenges from COVID-19 on the lockdowns from last year and, and the fiscal Wait. Uh, and, and support, right? Wait, Felix. Wait. Yeah, go ahead. So last year at this time, China was still like in and out of shutdowns. Am I correct? May of 2022? Uh, yes, there were two. There were two. Ma- I mean, it, it was so, so, so sporadic throughout the whole year, but there were two major... Um, I would say time periods of of, of lockdowns across the country, um, and yes, you were right. Last year, around this time, was the the now infamous Shanghai incident. Um, it was uh, that decimated the city and and took everybody. I mean, it was a, it was it was a horror show because everybody was <laughs> pretty much couldn't go anywhere um, outside their homes. Um, and couldn't get access to important food and resources. So it the last okay, year so, was a very dark period. Wait, sorry, I'm I'm jumping. I'm jump. I've got a lot of questions, so we're getting. Uh, it's okay if it's short answers for now, and then I'll I'll let you softball a big answer. So okay, so so we got lockdowns a year ago, which means that right now uh, the GDP comps are going to be are pretty damn easy, right? Because you have full quarters of production. There's not no shutdowns now, right? Like it's just all open and. So isn't the comp really, really easy? Aren't we going to get accelerated GDP? Why, in that sense, like why would stimulus be needed for the Chinese economy right now? It should be on rails, right? Uh, I mean, it's because the consumer. So from an investment perspective, I agree with you 100%. Um, you know, if you look at the, all the components of GDP, right, the consumer of that part is, is the weakest, and you know it was the C component, and this is what's been concerning folks lately in China. In that, yes, COVID is over; no one cares about COVID anymore. Now it's a time for recovery. 
will consumers spend or will they do more of the same from last year, which was to put a lot of their money into bank deposits, um, in other words, savings, uh, just because of uncertain environment. Wait, wait, wait. Environment. What? One second, one second. Why would it be uncertain now? Like a year ago at this time, there were shutdowns. So instead of like going to the mall or whatever, retail shopping, I mean, you could go to e-commerce, but the point is that you uh, don't have, you're not going to spend on restaurants, you're not spending on travel, you're not even spending on the bus to get to work. Now the consumer's back fully spending, everything's open. So why would the consumer stuff money under the mattress right now when, you know, in China, at least it's like, whoo, we're back. Right. Isn't that like what the experience should be? Like, shouldn't this be like easy money setup of macro for China? That's yeah. I mean, I think at the beginning of the year, it was that type of setup in terms of consumer spending off the rails in every sector. That was the expectation. And now what we're beginning to see is, the consumer is spending in very select industries, very select categories, and, and the consumer is not spending in certain parts of the country. And the reason why is because, you know, those parts of China got hit the hardest during COVID-19. And you can't force people to, you know, change their habits after going through an extremely painful period. So what I've been telling clients is that it's a kind of a dichotomy going on right now. There's the fittest, particularly on the luxury side, um, particularly on, on, on the wanderlust guys in China, you know, those sectors will benefit a lot faster than more on the manufacturing side, more on the so-called lower income parts of, of, of China that's going to be a lot harder for, 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 for them to recover, which is the reason why, you know, you need support from the government uh, to help small and medium businesses out in China. And right now it's, it's interesting, right? Because the, the, the macro data coming out of China generally has been very good, uh, particularly if you compare with the rest of the world um, from a rate of change perspective. And it just seems like everybody can't get comfortable with any kind of scenario. It used to be, oh, okay, you know, oh, now we're afraid China is, is slowing down too fast. Well, now it's like, okay, well, now we're afraid China is actually growing too fast and that the government, you know, is going to put a full stop on their sentiment. So I don't know. I I, I kind of think it's, it's, it's a little bit funny to, to think about the, the market language and the market dynamics that's going on and why people could be concerned about, you know, what's going to happen to the Chinese market. Obviously it's been quite weak uh, the last few months from some of the major Chinese companies that everybody follows. And those, you know, that's one risk. The other risk we haven't even talked about Ami is the ongoing U S China kind of boxing fight. Um, and yeah, it's wait. We'll get there. Still ongoing, right? Well, we, we'll get we, okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll get there, or maybe we won't even today. But um, <laughs> but but the whole like, will stimulus come, or will China have to the brakes on stimulus because of a good economy? Bottom line, good economy 
markets going higher, right? Like if the, to so me, I, I, I agree with you hundred percent. To me, that's the bottom line. Like if if yeah, if things are good, percent. I can't imagine how the market is like down because oh my god, the the mar- you know the now there's no stimulus. Good. Yeah. It makes no sense. And if anything, <laughs> and if anything, China should learn from all of us about um, China should learn from the United States about what happens on the wrong side if, in a reopening scenario, when the economy is already facing easy comparisons and growing really fast, if you throw stimulus on top of that you end up with excess inflation and overheating. And then you have all kinds of the problems that we're all having, you know, kind of like or this we had last year, maybe this year is a different problem we're having because of now the tightening that ensues, which is the financial crisis that, that becomes after that. So I think if they're smart, they won't stim. Like they'll have a great, I don't see why manufacturing, low end manufacturing would have a bad quarter uh, in China, because if they're face, if everyone's back and employed and, and, fully at their jobs and getting paid. I mean, that's better than it was a year ago and things should be getting better, not worse. I I do want to ask, you mentioned about a number of companies reported over the last 30 days that were large Chinese companies that didn't do well. So can you name a couple of them and tell me like, why didn't they do well? Was it like their sales outside of China? Was it inside of China? What kind of product? What kind of weakness? Like what was the exactly, uh, was it slowing down or was it just not accelerating enough? Like what was the dynamic? Hi, Robert McGordy here, Director of Subscriber Development at Hedgeye. Hope you're enjoying our podcast. Start generating alpha with our suite of sector pro investing research products. Dive deep into retail, industrials, technology, and everything in between with exclusive access to the sharpest analysts and actionable ideas on Wall Street. Go to hedgeye.com forward slash research to subscribe. Enjoy the rest of this episode. Oh, no. What I mean is um, oh, a few of my companies have reported, but they're none of the ones that everyone follows. Uh, what I mean by, you know, some of the big companies out there that have been hit hard the last few months, um, my point on me is, is they're getting hit hard for various reasons. And one of them, is because of this fear of, you know, um, less support from the government and also wobbly spending habits and spending patterns from from the Chinese consumer. So uh, to me, those are the top two. Now, it's interesting because if you look at Western media versus domestic media, uh, both of them kind of point uh to, to, to different reasons on why, you know, Chinese equities have been slumping. Um, Western media actually thinks it's geopolitics. I actually think that's more of sort of in the background because that's always been the case. To me, it's about the consumer. Consumer is spending in different, in specific categories at the moment. It's not a V-shaped torrent of spending power. Now, I'm trying to paint this in a robust, rosy picture on the macro side for, for China, but there's actually, to be honest, there are s- still uh, you know, a few weak sort of metrics um, that are still concerning. One is uh, unemployment, particularly among the young folks. Um, you know, that remains at a very high level, about 20% or so. So that's something that's concerning just because you need, you know, 
you need that part of the workforce to, to come back and earn money, which means they can spend again. Um, in the meantime, I think it's fair to say that now all the pundits are saying China will not have a V-shaped re recovery. In January, none of the pundits said China will not have a V-shaped recovery. So you can tell how fast the tide has turned uh, in the last two months or so. I mean, I'm still of the belief, I mean, that we're gonna have a recovery in China and China will still outperform the rest of the world in growth. Uh, but it's going to be wobbling. It's going to be more, you know, uh, W-shaped. So as a result, I'm still extremely selective with the type of companies that I'm invested in um, with, with the China space uh, just because, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not a full tide that lives all boats, so to speak. Some boats are rising well, just because consumers, again, are spending in some categories that they did not spend last year because they couldn't. And then some categories are, gonna get, are, gonna, are going to feel the slump this year uh, as COVID tailwinds dissipate, right? Because they're not stuck anymore, to your point. Um, they can do, they can freely roam around. But that's just sort of bigger picture thinking. It's really hard to pinpoint exactly right now where and why the consumer is spending the way they are, right? Okay. Spending patterns. So I'm going to reorganize what you said um, as uh, investors like to do. We're all looking for shortcuts. And, um, uh, and I'll tell you, out of the information you're telling me, I would say it's going to be a V-shaped recovery. Um, and not only is there going to be good numbers, but the government is also going to stimulate stimulate because if there's 20% of the youth is unemployed, the government has to incentivize growth of employment somehow. So it might yeah, be, they have to, right. And yeah. that, that's been a big social issue right now. That's yeah. all over the newspapers and so forth, but it's not simple. I mean, because, you know, they, 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 they did a huge crackdown on the very companies that employ these young folks. Uh, which resulted in, you know, pretty substantial job cuts across the space. I'm talking about internet in particular. Yeah. And, and yeah, they were the big, one of the biggest hires of, of these young uh, college graduates and so forth. So now I haven't seen that come back. I haven't seen Alibaba saying, oh, we're going to go on hiring, hiring search now, you know, because the government gave us X, Y, Z and, to, to get the job market back going and churning again for the young college graduates. No, I'm not hearing any of that. Instead, I'm hearing a very, it's kind of the, the opposite, which is going on in the US. Um, everyone is cutting, trying to cut more fat and trying to tell the profitability story rather than the growth story. I think that's very, very dangerous for investors who invest in profitability stories instead of growth because it's not sustainable. You can, at the end of the day, you gotta have some employees left to run your company. Um, and to be honest with you, and this is just my personal opinion, it all started with Elon Musk at Twitter. Um, so he set the precedent 
and then all a lot of the tech firms are following what he did. Um, so I, I, I think, and, and, and this is the case in China as well. So I, you know, it, it's, 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 it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. Um, it's going to be challenging. It's not, there's not a one solution fits all to try to get the unemployment situation back. And that's worrying some folks. Um, you need support. You, you need to get the Chinese mega cap tech comp giants to basically say, all right, yes, the worst is over. We can now have capital to grow our, grow our business, grow our human capital, grow our employees and so forth. I haven't seen that yet um, from, 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 from their language. So that's, that's, that's a little bit concerning if you're, you know, if you're very bullish on, on uh, a big recovery in the growth in China. Um, My history is a little hazy, but if I remember correctly, the Chinese government associates high rates of unemployment among the youth with revolution. And so, <laughs> and so by your laughter, I'm assuming I got that right. And so for me, it seems like an obvious that they're uh-huh. going to stimulate and the COVID comps mean that you're going to have like really like off the rails growth in the economy. It seems like it's going to be a double positive And then unfortunately maybe turn into like a little bit of what we have where government's going to keep going with stimulus to try to get employment back and going to maybe overheat the economy at some point. Um, well, overheating is not something. T- to me, I, I don't think the Chinese go- the Chinese economy is overheating at the moment. I, I think it's more of a narrative at play from a, a variety of different factors. Um, one I've mentioned is the consumer. To me, that's the biggest one. But uh, it, it, you know, I. What I'm trying to figure out is, you know, there are some sectors in China that doesn't, or that do not need a lot of government stimulus today um, to reverse all the challenges and the pain that they suffered last year through COVID, right? And those those companies, to me, are going to be a lot more resilient under any type of macro situation in China this year. Um, hopefully, Which Chinese companies, Felix, are the most. Uh, so you know, I've been very particular on industries that I looked at. You know, education. I think even with education, you know, um, there are some companies that will outperform others. And education is a, is an easy one to talk about because last year people, you know, student couldn't even go to school uh, uh, because of the COVID cases and the co- extremely stringent. Um, requirements you want to, to to have classrooms open again this year you don't have that and as long as students go to school there's going to be demand for ways to improve their learning pretty cut reason for you know education education to have a rebound and it's happening okay um for many of the bigger players i've been positive on new oriental that's my one of my top loans so, you know, to me, that space is a has has been a winner this year already. From particularly, if you look at what they had to go through last year, now government is always important, right? You don't want them to have a, kind of another large scale crackdown on this space like like they did 
with double reduction policy in, in K through nine um, a few years ago. Uh, but for the for the major part, you know, they've they've been very very positive on the non-academic sectors of, of education. But education, there, there, there's also other, other things to consider and talk about. I mean, I'm sure you saw today, you know, Chegg on the US side uh, impacted by ChatGPT. Yeah, education companies, education firms in China also thinking about the implications of, of you know, what ChatGPT, GPT-4 technology is gonna do. Um, is it going to make their resources and their services less attractive to their s students because they can just, you know, why do you have to pay a thousand yuan for, for the answer to your question that if you can just go through a AI product. So this is something people have to think about. Um, I'm going off of a tangent here because I'm trying to explain, you know, the ecosystems in China isn't just tied to what's going on in macro there's a lot of secular topics and themes to consider um, when you look at these companies. But going back to your question, Ami, you know, you know, from a macro perspective, you know, education is one sector that should benefit from what's going on with everybody, you know, being able to go back to school, being able to get access to teachers and to resources that they didn't have when they were under lockdown. So that's just one example. Um, I, 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 I do generally think, I mean, that China will rebound this year. I still think they will, um, and they, it's already happening, but it's not a, you know, it's not a, 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 a full rebound. There are still risks in some areas. One is unemployment mentioned. The other is still the property sector, which is wobbly, um, Residential prices are are, are, are are coming back, which and demand uh, in some respect. But you know the property market still having to deal with a lot of different issues to go on the debt front. So it's not a you know fully rosy picture. Um, but I, I still believe China will will be outperforming, which is why you know I remain predominantly long, but also very selectively long. In, in, in my uh, companies that I cover. Hi, Robert McGordy here, Director of Subscriber Development at Hedgeye. Join our entire research analyst team live before the market opens for deep dive investing analysis, our favorite stock ideas, and our risk manager in chief, Keith McCullough's macro overlay. Our team of 40 plus equity analysts discuss key market developments, trends, and our high conviction, long and short investing ideas. You will not get this granular level of insight anywhere else. A video replay, audio version, and analyst summary notes from the call are available shortly after each live show to ensure you don't miss anything. Go to hedgeye.com forward slash research to subscribe and tune in live to the call weekdays at 7.45 a.m. Eastern. Enjoy the rest of this episode. Let me ask you a question that has geopolitical implications, but I don't want to talk geopolitics today. Um, but good, there, good. I hate geopolitics. <laughs> are, are, there any, um, are there any Chinese military companies or military supply chain companies that are investable? Like, I feel like that's an area that probably is going to be good over the next bunch of years. Not, uh, God forbid, not for like war reasons, but because, um, you know, NATO is going to get stronger and all of its countries are going to arm a little bit more. And so I'm assuming that China and its allies and neighbors will 
um, get stronger as well. Like everyone's going to spend on this category. So it seems likely uh, to be a decent area. What do you, what do you think? Are there any companies that are investable in that category in China? Ah, that's a tough one. Um, I mean, so I guess you're talking about more of a defense industrials type of name. I think, you know, there's SOEs uh, that, that have been doing well just because of some of the government support behind it. But, um, you know, particularly in oil and gas, um, I, I think just because of the concept of, uh, of the UN um, gaining more strength recently in terms of cross-border transactions and relevance, uh, you know, that has implications for a lot of the uh, um, so-called commodity space and so forth. So I don't really have a good answer to your question just because I don't follow defense. I don't follow industrials. Um, I, but you know, a lot of the a lot of the oil and gas companies in my space are hitting new new highs, um, That's particularly among the you know SOEs that I that I look at. That's interesting. Yeah, it is um, interesting. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's probably good. Uh, a good bet is China's going to SOEs also like just China's going to strengthen infrastructure. Maybe those are the those are the companies that they'll stimulate to go and hire. Um, uh, youth and to you know uh, uh, grow those industries um, to bring new ideas and such. Um, cool. Yeah. I, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I mean, I think that is pretty much. And 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 just a, a last question on China is: um, Does Keith have China still in a quad one or quad two for Q two for this quarter that we're in right now? So. Keith quad model is Q one uh, quad one for China until Q three, and, uh, and then Q three he thinks is going to be a quad four type of model. Uh, but yeah. I think if you look at China in quad four versus the U.S. in quad four, historically, China hasn't done that badly in quad four. Um, China does really poorly generally speaking, quad three. So I, I, you know, I obviously Keith, um, you know, uh, where, where I sit right next to him. So I'm curious to know, you know, why, why China's in quad four, but I'm, I'm, I'm winning the bet is just because of the inflation. Inflation's coming down. But I, 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 I do believe if, if China really revs up its engines <laughs> in the second half of this year, uh, you know, um, it should stay in quad one for the predominantly the the majority of the year. Um, or you might get, or you might yeah. get like a blowing off of the top in the next sixty days, and then it's time to uh, to follow Keith's advice and to also his quads may may move around a little bit as we go towards Q quad, uh, Q three. But I agree with you before tech used to be big underperformer, for example, in quad three on the way into quad four, but then in quad four was an outperformer. And um, mm. I think it's a little bit different this time, especially if you're going straight from like a quad one straight to a quad four. I think the volatility of the markets that his, his system is picking up is um, uh, obviously we're all experiencing it on a daily basis. And it's been 
accurate. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think right now, you know, if you look at April, I mean, April was a pretty disastrous month for China. It, it was it was not good, um, and there was kind of sort of front running into the April. Uh, some of the macro data for for April, um, which so far hasn't been that good either. Uh, but you know, um, a lot to me, if, if you look at the risk, um, what's priced into China, China has been down this year. Um, it's already down this year, which is something that I didn't anticipate. Um, U.S. on the other hand, where a lot of folks were thinking U.S. was going to be down this year on, this, on the equity markets, guess what? U.S. is up, right? And it's probably only due to a handful of stocks, but nonetheless, the S&P is up. Nine percent or so. So the Nasdaq's up like sixteen percent year to date. Yeah, yeah. Nasdaq is almost yeah twenty percent. So so it's it's crazy, right? I mean, when we came into this year, we thought kind of the opposite. Um, so the market is, is is definitely very very interesting to study, and usually surprises surprises investors. Um, Look, I think China has is, is going to have to come is going to have to come from behind in in like a sports game. Uh, the first five months or so exhibited not satisfying returns for investors. Let's let's be honest, right? So, I think um, there there is room to change that around in the second half of the year. The COVID comes to your point is going to be very easy. Um, but that's just one factor, right? I, uh, I, I think it, at the moment, you know, I continue to be very selectively bullish in China. I'm not really to say that, you know, it's all systems go for everything China related, particularly the large caps. Um, but there's an opportunity. I, I think that could be, that could be a case, could be a more bullish case later this year. Um, just because I still believe if you look at the comp setup, if you look at what the government is doing relative to other governments around the world, they're stimulating, right, to some extent um, versus tightening in other parts of the world. So that has to be attractive in some case. So that hasn't changed um, in our opinion. But the market, you know, tries to front run this and see if there's going to be any changes in the body language of, of, of the, of the government in the months ahead. And it's already priced. Like it's, uh, uh, so my point here is, it's a long winded answer to basically saying, you know, uh, to me, a lot of risk is already priced into that China equities market. Um, and expectations will need to be reset going forward. I love it. Bullish. <laughs> all right felix we're right at that mark so i'm gonna call it um we didn't get a chance to touch on tech but i'm happy we uh we got a full update on china i think i understand where we are i hope our listeners do too thank you for listening and following this has been season three episode nine uh we'll see you next time talk to you soon
Don't forget to check out Hedgeye.com to get more actionable investing insights from our team of more than 40 research analysts. And check us out on Twitter at our handle, at Hedgeye. This presentation is informational only. None of the information contained herein constitutes an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any security or investment vehicle, nor does it constitute investment recommendation or legal, tax, accounting, or investment advice by Hedgeye or any of its employees, officers, agents, or guests. This information is presented without regard for individual investment preferences or risk parameters and is general, non-tailored, non-specific information. This content is based on information from sources believed to be reliable. Hedge is not responsible for errors, inaccuracies, or omissions of information. The opinions and conclusions contained in this report are those of the individual expressing those opinions and conclusions and are intended solely for the use of Hedgeye subscribers and the authorized recipients of the content. All investments entail a certain degree of risk, and financial instrument prices can fluctuate based on several factors, including those not considered in the preparation of the content. Consult your financial professional before investing. The information contained herein is protected by United States and foreign copyright laws and is intended solely for the use of its authorized recipient. Access must be provided directly by Hedgeye. Redistribution or republication is strictly prohibited. For more detail, please refer to the terms of service at hedgeye.com slash terms of service.